This episode, we chat with Matt Hicks, his story of faith and living that Christian life. The Catholic Underground starts right now. You have indeed hit the play button on the Catholic Underground. We are the podcast cutting through the noise and cutting and bringing you the topics that matter. It's episode number 448, I think. I think you are right. I think I've lost count. Uh, Yeah, Uh, I am Father Chris Decker, a priest of the Diocese of Baton Rouge in Louisiana. Joining me today, we've actually got a a special guest. Uh, Matt Hicks joins us. And uh, he joins us from the Diocese of Tyler, Texas, the one. by way of Louisiana originally. This is home. Yeah, and so ah. we'll, we'll talk about uh, that in just a moment. Uh, Matt, lean on up to the microphone there, um, because, yeah, there you go. There you or go. You got it. Texas yeah. just belly up to the microphone. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so let's, uh, let's belly up to the Jeff Star <laughs> 1 near-Earth orbit satellite, where you can uh, finally discover once again where that voice comes from. It's Jeff, Jeff yes. Blackwell. It's yeah. dark outside, by the way. It's uh, true. In, in, <laughs> well, in space, light is what you make it. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and then uh, over in the ball pit, uh, we've got Ed Ball. And Kieran Cotton is watching over Ed's shoulder uh, just to, to see what's going on for the Catholic Underground. Oh, she's Karen, what, you know, just let's be honest. Karen here. switches uh, the video for the morning program on Catholic yeah. Community Radio, and it's we are slowly drawing her in to the evening <laughs> crowd uh, I love it. Um, so that uh, she can have uh, our River Road coffee at night. Ooh. So, all right. Uh, so, yeah, the, uh, I guess I should also say that uh, Olivia and Kathleen are on assignment. Uh, Kathleen is, uh, is driving back from uh, being, I believe, the matron or maid of honor. Uh, at uh, at her friend's wedding. Oh, yeah. that's what was going yeah. on. Okay. Maid of honor is unmarried. Matron is married. Right. Uh, I think that's the way that it works. I I I just do the wedding. She was in the wedding. She was she in was the wedding. Yeah. She, she was lady correct. best man. Okay. Okay. Right. Is that right? I can correct, say that. Yeah. Okay. 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 And then uh, uh, Olivia is uh, is probably recovering from a very long school year. So uh, oh, so yeah. she is she is on assignment of self care. Mm. And so, uh, actually, uh, Matt was uh, was nice enough to, to come and sit in on the show um, My while pleasure. you're while you're visiting with your family here, right? Because yeah, you, just your a just a casual here. trip back home from Tyler, and uh, this is our home home. My wife and I, and mm-hmm. uh, we're we're always happy to come back home, visit family, and eat some really good food. Yeah, I understand. Now, I don't want to say anything ill of the fine people of Tyler. Uh, or really any of East Texas, because I, I don't mm. want that kind of heat on my shoulders. <laughs> but uh, but the food, yes. I understand, is a, a little it's, different. It leaves something to be desired. Uh-huh. Um, as we discussed in the pre-show, I my wife is pretty much Betty Crocker, and yeah. so she cooks uh, amazingly. Yeah. Uh, so I don't go for want, but whenever we do go out, yeah. um, it's... So it's either a chain let, let me, or... Let me tell you this, and, and <laughs> Jeff, you're not going to like to hear this, but the way they do their crawfish uh-huh. is they season it on the outside. What? Now that is pretty much blasphemy where for coming from here. Okay? Then when my wife and I went to a crawfish place, crawfish place. Yeah, really. They they seasoned it and they were doing like this to already cook crawfish and we nearly fainted. Oh, oh that's that's a very Dutch yes. way of doing things. That's what you do with crayfish, yeah. but it's not what you do with crawfish. <laughs> you didn't like it. There we go. So, so, uh, so yeah, welcome back to your culinary good. roots. Yes, yes. One of the things that we thought we would do uh, with Matt is is maybe talk a little bit about uh, how he kind of gets back to this desk here at the Catholic <laughs> Underground. I remember, Jeff, way back when, whenever I was a seminarian, 
Yeah. And we've only just discovered that Matt and I are basically the same age. Yeah. But, uh, but we interviewed Matt for uh, a diocesan television program that I was the producer on at the time, Fishnet. Wow. Um, yeah. I and, a and few I, years ago. I, it, was, it was quite a few years ago now. And, uh, and I remembered, and my, this clicked in my brain yesterday uh, as I was actually, I was sitting in the confessional, and my brain said, uh, Matt Hicks, uh, guy, gymnast, mm. uh, Padre Pio, mm -hmm. video, that's the same guy. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And, uh, and so, uh, Matt, it's, it's nice to be able to, to visit with you again. It's nice to make that connection. Yeah, for sure. And so whenever I visited with you that first time and, and we, we met and didn't yep. know that we had met, because I was just the video guy. I, th did I didn't you come say to my anything. house? I, I think did. you came to my I house. I came to your yeah. house, yeah. In my mom's art studio. Exactly. Yep. And, uh, and so you at that point um, were, were an up-and-coming star, well. uh, <laughs> so to speak. <laughs> We've got one star here, and it's the Jeff star. Uh, that's true. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You just oh. made Jeff's millennium, by the way. <laughs> well, let's see. Hold, hold on. There's an that's effect right. for that. Yeah. Hit the applause yeah, button. Yeah, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, but anyway, yeah. you were you were a, a gymnast yes. who who had great aspirations. I did. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, uh, back then, and this was this had to have been 2002, 2003. Uh, it was three? 2001, 2002. Okay. Ish. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. I was a gymnast and have been since seven years old um, and the Lord called that was my calling then and uh, training for the Olympics and that mm -hmm. kind of stuff at the time I was living in Houston Texas mm -hmm. and uh, long story short I was tumbling on the floor exercise and uh, the floor for for a gymnast it's springs plywood foam carpet Mm -hmm. uh, the plywood broke. I bottomed out on the concrete and suffered three uh, stress fractures on my L2 vertebrae. All right, because you just you, it just you landed. like a spring. Yeah, yeah, landed going from one flip to the next, and uh, it was just like a you know an right. accordion, mm. except it was my spine, mm -hmm. and so uh, broke my back and was in tremendous amount of pain. As anybody, any listener here who has had back pain, you mm. know it's it's nothing that you can you really get away from. Yeah, you ever. can't you can't get uh, to if it. If your leg right? hurts, you can sit down, elevate yeah. it. You know. It, relief back yeah. pain you you don't get away from it and right. so it got to the point where um i i, I couldn't even tie my shoes mm -hmm. and um so had, you were in your 20s at this point i was right? in i was 20s? in my early teens early teens mm -hmm. early te i was about 18. oh right because this was right this was before yeah uh before i met you so yep. this happened in your teens and i yes. can't even imagine breaking yeah my back in my teenage years. And if mm. I've got, if there's any gymnast listening to this, they're like, oh yeah, I've done that too. It's not that uncommon for to have a stress fracture, um, uh -huh. but nevertheless to have three of them in one place was, Goodness. was ultra painful. Yeah. And, um, Nevertheless, the Lord takes things that happen to us and yeah. he makes greater things out of them. And yeah. even reflecting back now, um, all these years later, uh, 20 years later, um, mm -hmm. it's crazy to say that, uh, it, I, I view that as the hardest thing that I went through personally and the greatest grace that I have received from it. Mm -hmm. And at the time, I thought my life was over. Yeah. Well, I mean, as a, as a teenager, right, yeah. uh, we, we tend to think... Uh, that all the all the docking ports yes, are open, yes. you know, I, I, I can go. I'm the captain of my own ship and whatever I want to do, I can do. And I was very much of that mentality. Right. Uh, you know, born and raised here in Baton Rouge, uh, faithful Catholic. Um, and then this happened and it just stopped my whole world. Mm -hmm. I had a back brace on. 
uh, a body cast. They literally made oh a cast of my entire torso, and I wore that for three months. Wow. Uh, long period of not even having it diagnosed correctly. Many mm -hmm. doctors, orthopedic surgeons, spine specialists told me, uh, maybe one foot's longer than the other one. Maybe oh, this, wow. maybe that. We're not quite sure. Meanwhile, I'm just sitting in a recliner in my apartment in Houston doing nothing all day long. Yeah. Um, but asking God to help me. Mm -hmm. uh, long story short, found a doctor who dealt with the Dallas Cowboys, and he was like, yeah, here's your problem. Here's what you need to do and began my road of recovery. Well, amidst all of this pain and uncertainty and not knowing what's gonna happen, uh, I started to turn to prayer mm -hmm. and my spiritual life. And I said, well, if I can't do anything in the physical world, I can at least do something in the spiritual world. Because you grew up Catholic. Because I grew up Catholic. I had the basics. I had the components. Uh, going to school at Our Lady of Mercy mm -hmm. uh, was was a great foundation. You know, my, my uncle's a priest and my grandfather was a deacon. And, uh, you know, I had it in me. Yeah, sure. I just had to tap into it. And is that not uh, how, how many listeners out there can kind of relate to that? I grew up with this mm -hmm. and then I had to apply it later on in life. I it's, had to tap into it. It's a very St. Ignatius of Loyola kind of a thing, <laughs> right? Uh, of course, Jeff, you know the story of St. Ignatius. Uh, St. Ignatius is is a soldier and uh, he gets hit with a cannonball on the leg mm -hmm. and, and can't fight, can't do anything. All he can do is sit in the, you know, whatever the medieval equivalent of a recliner is and, <laughs> and, uh, and convalesce. It was probably a bale of hay. It was probably a bale yeah. of hay, yeah. Maybe yeah. with a, a blanket on it. And, <laughs> and so St. Ignatius is, is sitting there going, well, I can't do anything. So at least I can read because he liked to read. Mm -hmm. And what St. Ignatius liked to read were kind of like the Harlequin romance novels of his day, right? All of these <laughs> these uh, fantastic tales of, of knighthood and chivalry and, mm -hmm. and not only defending the damsel, but also winning the damsel. And, you know, yeah. they, they were not always the cleanest bits of literature. And so he asked, uh, he asked the, the lady of the house where he was convalescing. He was like, could you bring me some of these things? And like, we don't have any of that. that. I'm afraid we don't have any of that. But, but what we, we do, do have, have is Butler's <laughs> Lives of the Saints, right? You know, they had the lives of the saints. And so Ignatius begins to read the lives of the saints. And he realizes that these are the soldiers. Yes. You know, these are wow. the ones That's that um, that that really have it going yeah. on. And aren't the saints... Uh, uh, it, it just in the tradition of our church, uh, aren't the saints our examples of our heroes, yep. of our of our people who have trudged this path of living as a human being, yeah. the Christian life and doing it well. That's right, fully human, fully human, with with no no divinity, nope. you know, other than than what is afforded us by virtue of our baptism, right? Yep. And uh, and and trying to to trudge through life and to aim in the right exactly. direction. Exactly, and this is what Padre Pio became to me and just real quick how he came into my life so I'm living in Houston at the time I drove back or perhaps I took a Greyhound bus at that point back to Baton Rouge to visit home and kind of eat some good food and convalesce and be sad yeah. for myself yeah. uh, comfort food we yeah. got and then my mm -hmm. mom uh, is an artist and so she paints and she's really good at that whole genre I can't paint my way out of a paper bag but she's got that uh, and so a friend brings a statue of Padre Pio that he had bought from Italy over to the house, mm -hmm. about a three foot tall statue, and says, Madeline, please, you know, paint some lifelike features on it, uh, and then I'm going to bring it back to my house. Mm -hmm. So oh. I, I was in the other room. He came over, dropped off the statue in our living room, and I walk into the room after he's gone, and I'm just, I look at this statue, and I'm like, I, it, it was kind of like a Mexican standoff, mm -hmm. is the way I remember uh -huh. it. Just kind of like, what are you doing in my house? Yeah, what are you doing what are here? You, yeah. what, who are you? What? What? And then my mom walks in and she's like, oh, yeah, it's Padre Pio. And, you know, she related what, what this guy had told her about him. And uh, 
you know, died in the 19, late 1960s. So, okay, he's a rel mm. relative. And this was before he was a saint. So right. he was just mm -hmm. Padre Pio, then not Saint mm -hmm. Pio. And, uh, you know, he, he had the stigmata. What? You know, I mean, we think of stigmata. We, who do we think of? You know, St. Francis. We do. Mm -hmm. uh, way back in the, you know, the, the well, when did he die? 1200s. 1200s-ish. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we, but this guy lived relatively recently. That's right, within our own <clears throat> century, basically. And so she, yeah. she started to tell me a little bit about him. And so uh, I don't think Google was a thing back then, but yeah, uh, maybe I AOL'd it. Yeah, that's right. You know? Uh, and so I, I, it. I, I got on the internet, uh, the World Wide Web, uh -huh. and I typed in typed in his name. And so I sat there, and the only reason I can explain my interest in him in beginning in the beginning was was God's hand, mm -hmm. because I would not have looked at a statue. Because growing up Catholic, I've seen many statues in right. my life. My mom's got a bunch of them at her house now, mm -hmm. uh, but this particular one just inexplicably drew kind my of arrested you arrested actually. me <laughs> yes mm -hmm. and so i go online start studying about him i order a book uh padre pio wonder worker mm -hmm. and um mind you this was before uh, as i'm suffering from all of this physical pain and depression a lot a lot of depression in there sure and um I, before i actually had an answer of hey this will you know this will help you with this back brace and all that kind of stuff so mm -hmm. I read this book and it blew me away. You know, it blew me away on how he led his life as a Christian, uh, as a Catholic, as a priest in Italy and having the stigmata. And so he, what drew me to him was his suffering yeah. and how he suffered and did it well. That's correct. And I felt at that time I was suffering, of course, mm -hmm. nowhere near on that level, uh, but how can I suffer well? Yeah. Even if my back is never healed again, I never step foot in the gym again, I never flip again, I never do anything. How can I suffer well and use that towards my sanctification, mm -hmm. so to speak? And I, how that all ended was, to this day, I have no back pain. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it was truly a miracle. Um, I have none. And um, he remains a, a close, true spiritual friend of mine that I have turned to repeatedly over the years uh, to draw me closer to our Lord. Yeah. Because, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people say, well, why don't you just pray to Jesus? Why don't you just go straight to Jesus? And I do. Mm -hmm. A. B. And this you are. guy, yeah. <laughs> this guy yeah. took me by the hand and brought me to our Lord's feet mm -hmm. and said, look at how I suffered. Yeah. Look at how I prayed take on a little bit of this. That's right. And I yeah. said, okay. Yeah, and, and that's really, that's the, the great benefit of the saints for us is like we said at the top of the show, they're you know fully human. Yep. And, and yet uh, the Lord uses their humanity to lead us up into his divinity, yep. you know? Um, and that's why the, the stigmata is, is so such a beautiful gift. Well, oftentimes when we see pictures of Padre Pio, we say, oh, well, he has the stigmata. He has the wounds of Christ. What we forget is that the wounds of Christ are don't painful. come without pain. Are painful. You, you know, know, one thing I recently heard that I didn't know before in my research was that he also had, they say he had the bruise of the cross yeah, the shoulder on wound. his shoulder. Mm -hmm. yep. Yeah, and as Jeff knows, uh, I've had a devotion to the shoulder wound of Christ for, mm. uh, for a long time. Um, because, and it's really interesting, you, you know as well as I do that, that we don't choose the saints, the saints choose us. Exactly, yeah. And I think our devotional life is also the same way. The devotional life is kind of, um, it's our spiritual breathing, right? Uh, in the same way that we're called to go to Mass on Sundays, it's a devotional life that keeps us breathing yes. from, from Mass to Mass, you yeah. know? And the, the shoulder wound is, uh, is, I think, in a real way of 
part of the, the, the wound of the priesthood too, mm-hmm. you know, carrying on our shoulders, the, those crosses. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll keep talking about that, but I suppose Jeff, we should remind our, our uh, benevolent listeners that you are in fact, somehow listening to Woo. the Catholic underground. Oh yeah, you've uh, somehow stumbled upon the Catholic Underground, and we sure are glad that you have. I'm Father Chris Decker, a priest of the Diocese of Baton Rouge here in Louisiana, but from Tyler, Texas, joined uh, by Matt Hicks, who's in studio today. My pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Jeff, of course, is on the Jeff Star One in space. Uh, Ed, we don't really know where he is. We think that it's a tear in subspace, but that's where the video stuff is. And so we're glad that Ed is running the video. As always, you can watch the video of our program at catholicunderground.com or on Facebook or on YouTube. And you can chat with us while we are uh, broadcasting live. In fact, Matt hasn't done that yet. This is your first... Yeah. Live show this and is my first. I'm, I'm a podcaster the- by by nature, and I, you know, I knew your show was live, but mm-hmm. I didn't know there was a pre-show. Oh yeah, and I didn't know you had video feed. Oh yeah, well, uh, so wow. The things we don't know that we do know. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome. Uh, so we're, we're chatting with uh, with Matt just a, a little bit about his life, because one of the things that we love about, um, at least I love about the Catholic underground, is that we do just kind of a lot of commenting on on culture and how it relates to, to our particular walk, you know. And uh, Olivia and Kathleen, who are usually here, have a very particular way in which they're called to walk with the Lord. And so we don't often get an opportunity to talk to, well, a guy, uh, if I may be so bold, you know. Um, It takes two women, (laughs) right? No, 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 no. Wait, maybe it's the other way. It takes two men to make one woman. Okay. uh, Yeah, yeah. it's theology of the body. That's uh, just go look that up. Yeah. Anyway. Uh, but uh, anyway, so so Matt's here joining us, and we're talking a little bit about his story of faith, and uh, and now he's come back to it. And so before the break, we were talking about um, Matt, you know, um, up and coming gymnast, tragic accidents, uh, you know, breaking of breaking of boards, but not in a karate breaking of way. Boards and breaking of bones and breaking of bones. Uh, and then this this standoff with the statue of yeah, Padre Pio. That's what it was. Um, reading. He uh, won. He, well, you know, the saints typically <laughs> do. You know, uh, the saints are not just part of the church triumphant because they're presently enjoying the beatific vision, but because they share that triumph with us. Yeah. You know, and so uh, you began to experience a little bit of that triumph, it sounds like, in learning suffering. I did. And what I took away from that mostly was not just a physical healing, which, uh, praise God, I did have, Mm -hmm. but the spiritual lessons that I took away from it, I continue to draw upon uh, 20 years later. And I have stumbled in my own faith uh, numerous times and and fallen away and come back and fallen away and come back at different levels at different times. Mm -hmm. But one thing I can always draw upon now that I'm so blessed to be able to have done was that difficult experience and what I what the message I was communicated basically to from Padre Pio was that my son you can suffer and you can suffer well Mm -hmm. and your suffer suffering can have meaning Mm -hmm. and to all the listeners out there who are going through difficult times whether it be depression whether it be through a physical ailment um, that has meaning and it has purpose. And like we were talking about in the yep. pre-show, uh, our own reading today from from Romans mm-hmm. is talking about uniting your suffering with that of Christ. Yeah, and that's that's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah, that's always such a curious phrase uh, when, when Paul says it is, "I am making up in my own body what is lacking in the sufferings yeah. of Christ." Yeah, and that makes no sense other than 
we truly are drawn up into the mystical body of Christ. And so Christ, who now can die no more, who sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven, who has gone through his suffering upon the cross for our sake, continues to experience the suffering in the members of his body and willfully does so and draws it up into himself. And so whenever we experience bodily suffering, whether it's chronic or whether it's a one-time thing, you know, even kind of slicing your finger open, you know, while, while chopping uh, onions, you know, um, that willfully receiving that suffering and uniting it with the Lord's suffering on the cross is a way that we continue to satiate our Lord, the way that we continue to console his wounded heart. Yeah, and I'll tell you when I noticed uh true a true breakthrough in my own life uh, which came before the physical healing part was when i offered this up and i said lord um whether i am physically healed or not mm-hmm. um it doesn't matter it doesn't matter because you have made a spiritual change in me and basically what i started doing was i started going to mass every day mm-hmm. i started praying the rosary every day and for for me you know growing up catholic and knowing all of this stuff but never really tapping into it it was it was a big change it was a big change hey you know we went to gulf shores on vacation while i found the church there Mm -hmm. and and went to church every day yeah you know and the the grace usually makes a priest very happy when we see (laughs) folks like i've never seen that person at daily mass um, you know i at the at the time i was about 19 and um you know usually in daily mass you have mostly an older crowd Mm -hmm. Um, if we see a 19-year-old male would, at daily yeah. mass, we go, "Oh, seminary." <laughs> <laughs> <You know? laughs> I had that. I, I had a few, a few try, try. And if the priest doesn't get you, the ladies will. You know, that's right. Yeah, but, there's some sort of elixir in that blue hair that that draws you into the seminary. Sorry, ladies. Easy. Sorry. <laughs> is, it, right. is it the Q-tips that you're talking about? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's, yeah, that's right, yeah. God bless them. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, one thing that I really took away from that and leading up to that. And then when I first moved away from home on this journey, I moved away from home when I was 14. Mm -hmm. So my grandfather had died and he was Deacon Allen at Our Lady Mercy. Mm -hmm. And he died in 1998. And that's the same year I moved away from home to pursue my career in gymnastics. Mm -hmm. Um, One thing that prompted me on that journey and gave me a peace and an assurance was Eucharistic adoration. Wow. And that's one thing that I implemented then Hmm. that I continued in my suffering with my back and that I continued over all of the tragedies and sufferings and good times also Mm -hmm. that I've had in my life since then uh, is Eucharistic adoration. And if I could hit one point home on this entire broadcast, it would be that. And the power, you mentioned Fulton Sheen earlier, one of my favorite quotes of his is when he talks about sitting in the presence of our Lord is like uh, he called it like sitting in the in, a, in the sunshine, mm-hmm. and how you can't help but be affected right. by sitting in the sun. Mm-hmm. And it's not the physical effect; it's the spiritual effect of sitting in the presence of the body of Christ. And what that does to you, even if you just sit there and you shut your mouth yeah. and you shut up and you listen to God talk to you, mm-hmm. is so powerful. And that's what I used to do. Because look, I'm not a prayer expert by any means. I don't have these, you know, complicated prayers in my head, and I'm not great with words. Uh, but I can sit there and I can shut my mouth mm-hmm. and I can shut my mind off and let Him talk to me. Mm-hmm. And that's what gave me the biggest sense of comfort that I knew things were going to be okay whether I went back to gymnastics, whether I did whatever with my life. Mm-hmm. And that's something that I continue to do or try as much as I can today. Wherever I go, wherever I travel in the world, Eucharistic adoration has to be uh, a number. Where Okay, where's the, where's the, because 
with my job and with my with my gymnastics in the past, I travel all over the world, and it's like, where's there a Catholic church? Mm-hmm. Where can I go to Eucharistic adoration? That's right, and uh, it's so nice to have seen, and that's one of the great gifts I think of uh, of Pope Saint John Paul II is is this intense Eucharistic devotion that he had. And it was, of course, about the time of the Jubilee year of 2000 that we saw Eucharistic chapels kind of just proliferating and opening everywhere. And, uh, and I've always been grateful for that as well. And, you know, one of the things that, that strikes me is uh, that I, I suspect that I was not as spiritually advanced at your age, even though we're about the same age, um, because I hadn't experienced the school of suffering as you had at your age. Well, what you know? the Lord did was he took a two by four and he walked me over the head or this case, the back yeah. and said, my son, I have other plans for you. Yeah. And oftentimes the, you know, the popular saying goes, the Lord doesn't necessarily say no. He says either yes mm-hmm. or not yet, mm-hmm. or I've got another plan. That's right. Okay. Yeah. And so uh, all of that time that I spent as a 14 year old thinking, hey, should, do I need to move away from home? Do I need to go somewhere else? Do I mm-hmm. Can I live on my own? What can I do? And that chapel at Our Lady of Mercy, uh, which was just had been built at that time. So it's one of the, uh, the first adoration chapels in our that, own diocese. That is probably my most happy place on this entire planet. Yeah. If I could sit with one place and pray and just commune with God, that's mm-hmm. where I would do it because that's where I kind of developed that habit. Yeah. So um, if you're looking for a place in the Baton Rouge area to go pray at any time of day, mm-hmm. day or night, 2 a.m., whatever, go to the chapel at Our Lady of Mercy. Um, it's open and it, it's just a nice, peaceful place to be. It's true. And uh, many of your parishes have uh, adoration chapels as well, or there's a period of adoration throughout the week. Uh, I know that that's something that... Uh, I was just starting to get our parish, uh, our parishes moving in the direction of before the COVID. Um, uh, yes. and, and so that kind of halted that progress. Hopefully it'll pick back up. Uh, the parish where I'm being assigned uh, does have a, a Eucharistic Adoration Chapel, and they're kind of slowly moving their way back into what I hope will be 24-hour adoration. But yeah, the, those, sorts of, um, those sorts of burning hearts, mm-hmm. uh, the burning heart of our Lord, who burns for us, who longs for us. I always think about uh, St. Jean Vianney, who encountered this man that was sitting always in the presence of the Blessed Sacrament. Anytime he come to the church, this guy was there. And he asked him, well, what, what goes on? Why are you here every day? He goes, I don't really know. I know that I look at him and he looks back at me and, and it is good for my soul. And so many times in our, in our just so busy lives, we long for that. And we oftentimes perhaps think there's no way it could possibly be in that little building, mm. in in that small little piece of that bread. little gold box there, you you, you think yeah. there's something in No. Right, no. exactly. And, and yet, That's what that small voice in our head wants to tell us. That's, of course, That's yeah. what society wants to that's tell correct. us. That's correct. It does yeah. tell us. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. no, no, no. But the real still small voice is the one that's beckoning mm. for us and calling to us. And if you don't believe me and you don't believe Father Chris, where's my camera? Yeah, there you go. So try it. Yeah. Go to a chapel for a period of time. Don't don't just one off, you know, watch the change that happens in your life of sitting in silence mm-hmm. with our Lord in his body. Do it. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I, I suppose I can't say any more than that. Other than we are the Catholic Underground. You're listening to us and we'll be right back after this short break. Stay right there.
Hail Holy Queen, Mother of Mercy, our life, our sweetness, and our hope. To Thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To Thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious Advocate, thine eyes of mercy towards us, and after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary. All right, mein Himmel, you have found the Catholic Underground. Uh, we're still the podcast trying to cut through the noise and find the still small voice. That same still small voice that we were talking about just a moment ago. I'm Father Chris Decker, uh, here sitting physically in the studios in the Diocese of Baton Rouge. Also physically here sitting in the studio with me, Matt Hicks, who is, uh, who is domiciled in the Diocese of Tyler, Texas. Yes. But uh, calls Baton Rouge. But Baton Rouge is home. is where my heart is. That's right. Yeah, and and most people who have been to Baton Rouge, uh, I think they kind of say that if nothing else, the food kind of infuses yes. them as honorary citizens. Yes. New yes. Orleans is that way too. We take a lot of Tonys back to Tyler. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. at the seminary in Rome at the North American College, they they have uh, whenever somebody comes to visit, that's usually like the price of admission. <laughs> is if you're going to visit Lafayette or the uh, Louisiana Seminary, specifically Lafayette mm-hmm. ones, you have to bring some Tonys with you. Yeah. Bring some Zab's potato they chips. They call it taste yeah. at the yes. seminary there. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, so uh, so Matt, uh, we've been talking about um, just kind of your life and, and uh, experiencing um, not only a miraculous healing through the intercession of Padre Pio, but more so uh, a miraculous healing of your soul, yes, right, and drawing you back to the Lord and um, and back to the practice of your faith, perhaps in a deeper key. Because it doesn't sound like you really um, just completely turned left and said, <laughs> absolutely not. No, I've never left the faith. Certainly one thing I've always done in, in my life is continued with going to Mass every Sunday mm-hmm. and, and, and trying to be as good of a, as a Christian as I can. But you know... Part of what happens when you live in the world yeah. is that you get influenced by those people who don't think like you, you who were raised like you. You get the <laughs> yeah. residue of the uh, non-Christian element out there, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, those voices and those in, that influence can can weigh heavily on you and, and make you influence you to do other things. Well, sure. Um, it's a, the the spirit of the world is intoxicating. Yeah. Otherwise, it wouldn't be difficult to uh, to try to counteract. I believe you can perhaps help me with this biblical quote, or my wife could, um, but we're not of the world. We're of the world, or we have to live in the world, but we're not. We're not. We're called to be not of the world, but to live in the world. That's it. That's right. That's it. Mm -hmm. And so I I think that's an important point to remember um, for us Christians is we're on an alien planet here. That's right. We are strangers and sojourners, as Paul says. We are strangers. And if you kind of have that mentality, it helps with our own weirdness sometimes, Mm -hmm. particularly as, as Christians and as Catholics. Catholics, That's right. You know, because people will look at us, mm-hmm. uh, your coworkers, for example, or maybe the barista at the coffee shop, and yeah, why don't you do this, and why don't you curse like this, or yeah. why don't? And you, that's because I've chosen to follow Christ. That's right, exactly. I'm a disciple. It's really interesting too that uh, you know the the Romans in the time of the first uh, first few centuries of Christianity, the Romans would look at the Christians and go, well. I hear that they're actually partaking of someone's body and blood, so they've got to be cannibals. Mm. You know, I hear that uh, that they're caring for people who are sick who aren't even in their direct family. 
So they've got to be like some sort of much of a human them? being, you know? <laughs> Uh, we don't do that. We just filleted this one guy over right. here, and he died joyfully. That's right. Yeah, this guy was singing people? as he was being torn up, torn to pieces by uh, by lions. And so that, in and of itself, the the world is always going to look at us and go, "What?" But that that is an invitation for us to 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 truly live integrated and authentic lives because the Lord is transforming us. Yeah, you know? the witness that we provide, uh, and this is more important to me now as I've been married for over two years, mm-hmm. and uh, a father to a six, almost seventh month old is so much more important and, and just has taken things to another level. Yeah. Because as, as priest, prophet, and king in my own home now, yep. I have a job, I have a mission. And if you don't believe that, then mm-hmm. just go to the catechism because it spells it out pretty darn right. well. It is a real spiritual authority. <laughs> it is a real spiritual authority over your little your little unit there. Mm-hmm. And once you start to follow Christ, and yeah. we talked a bit about this on the break a little bit, once you start to follow Christ, and I mean really follow him and yeah. let it let him change your life, you will you set yourself up for things, mm-hmm. so to speak, to happen yeah, in your life sure. and, and spirit spirits because spirits are real. That's you know, right. Yeah. They, they, you've got the good, obviously. There's only and then two you've types got, of spirit. There's uh, not, the Holy Spirit so and then there are the evil ones. Yes. That's correct. And, and and whenever you try to live a Christian life, uh, the target's on your head. It's on your head because when you're not living that Christian life, he's already got you. That's right. So yeah. why, there's no resistance. There's there's no resistance. Mm-hmm. But uh, one thing that my wife and I have have been on guard with in particular and have really had to seek out, uh, we we had our house blessed uh, several weeks ago and and the priest came over and did the the exorcism right Mm -hmm. with the blessed salt and all that kind of stuff. And and, um, just very interesting how... How all that stuff works, right? And and the fact that it is a it is a true reality, and you know, um, as a priest, I've seen things. <laughs> uh, can I just tell you? And and that's the thing is is when you have somebody who is who is honestly trying to live that well integrated Catholic life, who is trying to to make the sacraments a priority. Trying not to domineer their children, but trying simply to guide them. Uh, those are typically the ones who who know the cross. And I find the ones who love the cross. Mm-hmm. And if you and if you love the cross of our Lord in the midst of your family, and you're willing to kind of walk to Calvary together, then then you are going to experience um, what we would certainly would call spiritual warfare. Um, I would dare say that if you have a devotion to Padre Pio, you'll understand spiritual warfare all the more. And that's another interesting thing about his story is his the attacks that the devil did upon him the physical attacks. Correct. He, yeah. he was oftentimes thrown about in his little in his little room yep. in Italy and physically assaulted yeah. many, many times. But his his story was that he clung to the Lord yeah. and wasn't even worried about it. That's right. He would say whenever old scratch would show up, he'd go, "Look, do what you got to do." Yeah. I've got mass in the morning. I've I've yeah. I've got an early morning. So if you're going to yeah. beat me up, go ahead. Yeah. I got to go to sleep. Because I mean, Father Chris, what is this all? What does this all boil down to? Talking about spiritual warfare, talking about the saints, talking about our lives as Christians. It, to me, it approaches eternity and yeah. where we get to spend eternity. Right. And I think that sometimes we lose sight of that and we think it's just about this life. Well, that's what the world tells us. That's what the is world this tells is all us. There is, and after so this, party now. it's just it's over with. I close yeah. my eyes and it and it's done. Or maybe mm-hmm. I'm worm food, or maybe maybe it's something else. Well. We know as believers that it's not a maybe. No. It's either upstairs with the eternal union of God or in the purgor- 
pur- purgatorial purgatorial state, state? Uh-huh. of waiting to enter that. That's right, being purified. A little bit more purification. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or it's a place where the heating bill is something you don't have to worry about anymore. That's exactly right. right. That's and true. so you have to have that in mind. And, and once you start to understand that concept, I think it helps you make better decisions, if nothing else on That's this true. one. Yeah. Because we are held accountable at the end mm-hmm. to this. You know, God's going to open that big old book out and dust off, you know, your whole life and put it before you and my son, you know, either he's well pleased or he's not. That's right. Yeah. The, one of the prefaces in the Eucharistic prayer, um, it says that you may see and love in us what you see and love in your son. And that is what we're called to do. That's why the sacraments exist. That's why the deposit of faith is there is so that we can be transformed, not just day by day, but moment by moment, either into a closer likeness to the Son of God, to Jesus, or we try to go our own way and fashion ourselves in our own image, in which we mm-hmm. begin to idolize ourselves. You know, we become not just American idol, but self-idol, you know? And that's typically what we do. If we don't have God to worship, we always begin to worship ourselves. Yeah. And we will always build a, a, a little statue of a deity that we can worship, and if we don't like it, we can melt it down and start over. Yep. And, and that never brings about a flourishing of the human person. And that's what we see in our culture. We see a culture that's oriented towards death because it's trying to flourish on its own um, deification. Well, you know, uh, it, it, there's countless saints out there in the past history of the 2,000-year history of the church who have said themselves, it's not me who lives anymore. Mm-hmm. It's not I. It is Christ who lives in me. Mm-hmm. And my job will be complete when you don't even see me anymore, you see Christ. That's correct. And that should be our mentality as followers and believers today. Not that we're just going to you know, turn into Jesus one day or something like that, but like you mentioned with the sacraments, mm-hmm. is a wonderful example of the Eucharist yeah. and being able to receive in that putting yourself in grace, free from mortal sin, yeah. and then being able to receive, to call yourself worthy, and then letting that slowly, slowly, it's like, you know, taking the Kleenex off the Kleenex box. You know, you That's don't right. notice a change necessarily unless mm-hmm. the Lord permits it. Uh, leave a mess one day or the mm-hmm. next or the next. Mm-hmm. But it's that slow, methodical right. chipping away that the Lord does. It's it's a refinement. That's correct. And and that really is. I mean, he, see, he knew the work of art that he created because he created you specifically. You know, uh, Jeff was created to be Jeff. Uh, I mean, that's that's what we believe. You were created mm-hmm. fundamentally good, and there will never be another Jeff after you because you were created to be Jeff. Yeah. And the way that you are most Jeff is if you are most like Christ. And mm-hmm. that's and that's really the, the truth of the matter is that we are made in the image and likeness of God. The image can never be taken away. It's written in our bodies. It's written in our biology. It's written on our soul. Uh, but the likeness, the likeness is is what was lost in original sin. It's the likeness to Christ that is restored in us by means of our baptism. But because of the presence of actual sin, of me being able to use my free will to try to write my own will, that's what can muddy up and, and even disassociate me from that likeness. Yeah. You know, you can't be unbaptized but you can completely turn your back on on the likeness to Christ. And that's what we call what? Well, it's what we call sin. That's what we call sin. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It is a missing of the mark, it right? Is, it yeah. is a separation from us and God, mm-hmm. a, 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 plain and simple. That's right, yeah. If you just, of our own free will, of our own choice, yep. conscious 
and 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 it has consequences mm-hmm. is the point it does indeed have consequences and part of that consequence is is not just that i'm separating and we're talking certainly about mortal sin i'm not just separating myself from god but i'm also cutting myself off from the body the mystical body of christ and as uh, as the catechism says and as pope benedict has said very well and pope francis actually just recently said it, you know we are damned or saved together mm. we, we don't do this individually by ourselves but we are pilgrims on the journey together. We're strangers and sojourners, but we are called to be a band of brethren who are walking, sometimes slouching, sometimes crawling towards heaven together. You know, it's interesting how when you talk about the body of Christ Mm -hmm. and having a non-Catholic wife, this has really, really hit home for me Mm -hmm. about the body of Christ is Catholic, Protestant, you know, we are all one body. We sometimes just represents di- di- represent different parts of that body. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I watch her services uh, online and, and, and we discuss the merits of this and that, it's so interesting to see how different perspectives kind of glean in on that. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and another example more closer to our own faith is when I used to live in Kiev, Ukraine, mm-hmm. and did gymnastics over there, I found, it's typical me, the Roman Catholic Church in Kiev, which is sure. right off of their main square, and it's a place called Maidan Nezheleznosti, uh, which is where they had all of their protests, and they just trashed that whole beautiful yeah. part of town when they've had their revolutions and stuff since mm-hmm. then. Um, but I found the Roman Catholic Church, and I went to Mass, and it was in Latin, mostly, and Ukrainian. And I don't speak Ukrainian, I speak Russian. And so I don't speak Latin, and I had no clue what was going on. But I knew exactly what was going on. That's correct. And it was so amazing to be able to understand that mm-hmm. and see that and see the different kind of how the Orthodox Church has kind of kind of bled into that a little bit with sure. the beautiful icons and everything else and their representation of Christianity. Mm-hmm. Well, it's kind of like the same thing with with my wife and and um, you know non-denominational Baptist background and stuff. And you know while we do disagree over some fundamental things, it's beautiful to see different expressions of Christianity. And sure. it's beautiful uh, from an ecumenistical state, if that's a word. Ecumenical. Ecumenical state. Mm-hmm. Um, to be able to think that way as we're, we're, we're kind of all in this together. We are. And that and sounds kind of kumbaya-ish. <laughs> uh, but well, no. I mean, you know, again, the Lord does not create willy-nilly. He doesn't, mm-hmm. you know, and and in the grand scheme of things, he, he desires that we would all be one. Yes. It hasn't happened yet. Yes. Um, there is a, there's a long road ahead, um, especially in the past 600 or so years, you know, um, in, in the West. But, but we still do walk together. And there are so many things that we ought to celebrate and, and dig deep into together. Because y- you will always arrive at Jesus Christ, present body, blood, soul, and divinity in the Eucharist. Mm-hmm. You will always arrive at that. And, and that's really where we and journey. And, you know, in, in studying about that, it, one point in particular, I mm-hmm. found it so interesting. Well, you say, why? Why do you believe that that little wafer, mm-hmm. that little piece of bread is Jesus? Why do you believe that? Fundamentally, well, because Jesus tells us that, right. first of all, yeah. because it's scripture. Mm-hmm. Number two, and I find most compelling to me personally, is the early church fathers. Yeah. Find out how the earliest church and I'm talking about from the apostles and their successors mm-hmm. uh, on, Ignatius yeah. of Antioch is one I'm thinking of in particular. Yeah. 100, 107. That's pretty darn close to when Jesus walked the earth uh, compared to now. Especially. And it's exceptionally close to when John the Apostle <laughs> John the died Apostle. You know, and, it's, and if they're telling me this is how it is and this is how it was and this is how it should be, mm-hmm. 
who am I to disagree with that? Correct. Yeah, uh, and, and that's just my own personal. And and that's the, and that's the thing. Uh, those who have who have come to the church from other denominations or even you know completely different walks of life, uh, they they reason at least if nothing else through 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 history. Yeah. And if you arrive at the early church and you arrive then from there to the Acts of the Apostles, uh, which of course written fairly late, you know. Yes. Um, if you arrive there then you can begin to say, well, then there is something that is trustworthy here. If Jesus says that I am the way, the truth, and the life, then not only what he tells me in the scripture has to be true, but I then have to go to the source of where the scriptures come from, yep. you know, from the heart of the church. And so... Because wh- Jesus left us the church right. in the beginning, not the book. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so the book was based upon the tradition that's and right. the church that he left. That's right. That was being lived. Yes. That uh, was being and, lived. And recorded. Yeah. And, and so that's that's the beautiful thing about it is, is we do indeed have this, and the Second Vatican Council speaks about that very much, is that is that part of the gift that we give to the other Christian faiths is this deposit of faith of which we are the guardians as Catholics. And that doesn't make us high and mighty, no. you know, and, and oh, 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 you down there. But yeah. it does actually put us into the same, we're in the same uh, service of the army, but we are in different squadrons, you know, in that yes. sense. Yes. You know, I find one of the, the Pope has many names and titles and, and that kind of stuff. And mm-hmm. I know a lot of non-Catholics out there look at the Pope and they think, hmm, you know, but uh, one, one of the best, one of the best uh, descriptions uh, I've heard of him is, is the custodian of the faith. Yeah. You know, right. he, he. He's a servant. He's a servant of servants. That's right. Which is why we we don't say that the Pope himself is infallible. He's not. Correct. The the Pope can only be a servant of what has been given. Correct. He can't. Uh, I think I've said this a number of times just in the past month to various people in various conversations that he can't wake up tomorrow and say, "Here is something that is apart from revelation mm-hmm. that has not been revealed to me until just now about who God is, what the church is, what the nature of, uh, of things are, uh, and that is different from the deposit of faith. He can't do it. Um, he is protected from that by yes. a supernatural which is, grace. Which is, which is evident in the history of the popes. Just yeah. another tangent here is the history yeah. of the popes. Yeah. And some of the awful popes yes, there were some that dark we have had, there. some mm-hmm. of the awful popes that we have had, like mm-hmm. I'm talking murderous popes. Yep. You know, but nevertheless, the faith never deviated. Ha- has the yeah. faith mm-hmm. and what we have learned and taught as a church deviated from that? Because you would think, well, we got a murderer in here. Surely he taught something crazy. No, yet. no, mm-hmm. he, he, it has not happened because the Holy, we have to believe that the Holy Spirit guides that. That's right. Exactly. And that it and, still and, works. And that's the beauty of it, too, is from Scripture, Jesus makes it clear that's how he wants to establish that guiding body through sinners yeah through sinners uh believe me uh as somebody who who has to go to confession regularly ask my wife yeah well and right exactly Uh, i always say you know you think you're embarrassed having to go to confession to somebody who's your pastor i have to go to confession to priests that i know really well you know, like I have, yeah. to, I gotta. You have to travel a little bit farther to find a priest it, you don't know well, exactly. to confess to. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> and the... I ain't got that kind of time. <laughs> I, you know, I need to be back in grace now. Yeah. So, yeah. so yeah, but that's the, that's the thing is is the Lord uses us, and He knew Peter very, very well. Peter, Peter was. I hate to. I don't mean to be disrespectful, but Peter was an idiot. You, well, Peter was he would probably have said the same thing. You know, before mm-hmm. before Pentecost. Yeah. Yeah, and then once you know the Holy Spirit filled him, it went on to do bigger things than uh, you know, right. any of us can comprehend. And yet, and yet, one of the things that we learn about Peter in the squabble between he and Paul yes. 
is that Peter went from being headstrong and wanting to do his own thing to recognizing... Still needing correction. Right, recognizing how his own Petrine authority uh, needed to be honed. Yep. You know? Which, which was it Teresa of Avila that told the Pope to come back to... It was uh, St. Catherine of Siena. Okay, mm-hmm. there we go. Uh, yeah. Come on uh, back, Pope. And, and again, back to uh, you know, where you belong. before we go to, uh, to that part of the show that I won't call yet, um, <laughs> the... If you think that that the role of women in the church, because I've heard this a couple of times in mm. conversations that I've had, if you think the role of women in the church is is something that the church continues to discount, my sisters in Christ, We've got um, some history. You, you need to know Teresa of Avila. You That's need to know Teresa of Lisieux. You need to know Catherine of Siena. You need to know Hildegard of Bingen. Um, gosh, you need to know the Blessed Virgin Mary. Mm. These are all incredibly strong women who guided the church. One of the things you note in the Acts of the Apostles, who was with the apostles of uh, the day of Pentecost and, and the days after? It does start with an M. Yeah. Miriam is her name, and she is the Blessed Virgin Mary, the sinless one who, who found her home in the midst of, of John, the beloved disciple, and the other 11. Uh, I'm talking about Matthias here, the replacement apostle. Um, found her way into their company when she could have been the boss of them all. And yet she, she was a Christian. Have you ever thought about this? And I, this is speculation. Do with this what you will. But can you imagine our Blessed Mother going to Mass? You know? Like, it, it stands to reason that, that she would have very willingly submitted herself to, uh, to the celebration of the sacraments. Yeah, that, that's at the a, hands of the apostles. She who was the first tabernacle or mm-hmm. the new tabernacle, right? She who was the one who carried our Lord not only in her womb but in her the hands. New ark. Uh, the new ark, yeah. She received her son sacramentally. You know, you know. One I mean, thing that I heard from I, I'm going to steal this from Catholic Answers magazine, but uh, they talked about why John's gospel was so much different from the synoptic gospels of yeah. Matthew. Uh, Mark and Luke is because John lived with Mary, took her into his home, and that was written so much later. Yeah. And his, he, how could you not be influenced in what you yeah. wrote by living with the Son of God, right. or the, the mother the, of the, the mother Son of, of God? The Son of God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How could that not have? That's why his exactly. gospel it talks is so much different than the way it is. That's right. From and the it, other ones. and it is. It, Jesus knows exactly what he is about in John's gospel, yes. and and. Um, Beautifully, there, there's a there's a poetry to it's the It's like the it's being written from the perspective of somebody who's got some inside information. That's correct. And indeed, <laughs> huh, you I wonder know. where that was. Yeah, exactly. Where'd that come from? So, uh, so yeah. Uh, but, but you know, now, uh, as we have visited with, uh, with Matt and, you know, certainly spoken about many, many things, uh, I suppose it's time that we go to that part of the show that we like to call. The CU Pick of the Week. And for our first CU Pick of the Week, well, Kathleen's not here. Olivia's not here to talk about how Kathleen always gets the best pick of the week. So we can go to Matt for his pick of the week. My pick of the week is if you've got a book and you like to read that you're looking for something, A, motivational, Mm -hmm. B, spiritual, and C, well, just awesome, okay? Check out a book called um, With God in Russia. Mm -hmm. And it's by a a priest called uh, Father Walter Sizik. Mm-hmm. And C I S Z E K Z E K. Okay, yeah. uh, with God in Russia, a, a Jesuit that Jesuit. lived from 1904 to 1984. 1984, I believe uh-huh. he died. And so his story is: he was born and raised, I believe, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and uh, joined the seminary. And kind of a rough and tumbler kind of guy had some Polish background. Um, and then the Pope at the time 
issued a call for people to join up and go to the Soviet Union to, uh, you know, spread God's gospel in a godless land. Right, to do okay? covert missionary yes, work, basically. covert missionary work is exactly what it was. And so Father Sizik raised his hand, went to the Vatican for special training in the Rusicum, mm-hmm. and learned the language, and went over there. Long story short, he was arrested, of course, by the, uh, what was the KGB back then, or the precursors of the KGB, and imprisoned for 23 years. Much of that was spent in solitary confinement. Mm -hmm. And here's a priest who took raisins from the bread that he was given in solitary confinement, fermented them to make his wine to still celebrate mass. Mm -hmm. Okay. And talks about how the people there, uh, you know, because Russia has such a rich history of Christianity. Absolutely. Okay. And then the Soviets took over and were like, "Eh, we're going to get rid of that. Nix tried to nix all that out, but what a testament to God's, mm. the power of God, yeah. okay? Because they couldn't, they couldn't stamp it out. And what ended up falling, you know, much years later after all this communism, yeah. okay? Mm-hmm. And now Russia's trying to, you know, recapture all that kind of stuff. But at the time, none of that was evident. Mm-hmm. And so he went to this place to bring God back to the people. And it's a story of how these little villages, when he was exiled into Siberia, how the people yearned for God, yeah. wanted God, wanted their kids to be baptized. And, you know, our Orthodox brothers and sisters are very close to our faith and believe in a lot of the sacraments that, if I'm not mistaken, all of the sacraments that we have. They do indeed have them all. and All of them. And, uh, you know, wanted their kids to be baptized, wanted to receive the Eucharist, but they had to do it in secret mm-hmm. because they've got your informer neighbor over here who's going to turn you into That's the right. secret police. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and it's his story. And they'll get an extra food yes, ration. Yes, and they'll get that. a little extra piece of bread. Yep. And mm-hmm. so it's his story of being imprisoned and still trying to minister, still trying to bring God to a place that was miserable and insufferable. And in, you know, the sixties when he was let go and traded for other spies Mm -hmm. and sent back to the United States, that was the height of, you know, what they tried to build, but failed in the Soviet union. And it's also, uh, I'm reading at the moment, I'm reading what's on my desk is with God in America. Mm -hmm. So that was written by people who knew him when he came back to America and his story of, uh, being an American for a little bit, being in Russia forever mm-hmm. in the worst place imaginable, and then coming back to America and trying to give s- seminars and talks and, and retreats to a lot of religious and stuff, particularly nuns, and calling people to live and to not give up hope. His whole message, if I could sum it up in this book, is divine providence. Mm-hmm. And what divine providence means to a man who's a priest who's called to minister to people in solitary confinement. How do you do that? Well, you have interaction with a guard who feeds you. How can I try to evangelize that guy who doesn't even want to hear my message? No, right. Mm-hmm. You know? And how yeah. can I still be a priest when I've got ladies in the garage that I'm working at when he got, you know, released into kind of a work release program? He worked as an auto mechanic, uh, still trying to be a priest. And then he's got women that are trying to, like, hit on him and to, you know, get him to, to you know, do worldly things again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's like, no, I have a vow. I have my mission to be a priest. And if you're a priest out there listening to this, I would offer you to read this book because it's like this guy went through all of this and was able to maintain his commitment. And he relates it all back to divine providence. Wow. Beautiful. Yeah. Uh, Beautiful. I, I, I've, I've actually got uh, He Leadeth Me, um, yes. which is his other book. His sequel, his follow-up. Yeah, his ah, follow-up, okay. uh, but I haven't to read get the with whole God story get with God in That's Russia. That's the way to start. That's okay. the way to start. Yeah. Very good. Well, uh, I feel kind of like uh, like Olivia. I don't I don't think I can well, follow that, but I'm going to try. Yeah, let's so, try. What's so pick I, of the week? You know of my proclivity for comic books. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, Voyage Comics, uh, I, I've talked about him a good bit on the air before. Uh, they've done kind of the story of Skellig Michael, the, that, that 
island mm-hmm. that you see briefly in the Star Wars, uh, whatever the latest trilogy mm-hmm. is, the, the concluding trilogy. Um, but but they're also kind of trying their hand at superhero comics. And so this one is, uh, it's called The Phantom Phoenix. And this is set in Chicago in the 1920s. Martin Claver struggles to find his place in the world. Uh, he suffered a debilitating leg injury as a fighter pilot in World War One. He's rejected by society. Um, he he uh, he's a homeless veteran living off scraps and things like that until he rises from the ashes and he becomes kind of a superhero in uh, in mafia torn Chicago in the 1920s. I I would be willing to bet that there are. Okay. I'm only halfway through. <laughs> These just look like revolvers and maybe but. good pizza. I don't know. That's <laughs> there what might I think be good beats in Chicago. the 20s in Chicago. Okay. Yeah. Right. So, but it's loosely based kind of on the story of of, uh, of uh, Saint Martin de Porres. Wow. And so there are some folks in here that have kind of alternate uh, alternate personalities that are that are very saint like. Huh? So you so you meet some interesting saints uh, who are some of the characters in this book. So the Phantom Phoenix is the number. It's the the first issue uh, drawn by a, a, a professional comic artist. And so uh, that is my pick of the week from Voyage Comics. Uh, Jeff, you know, we are always so grateful for, uh, for those who, um, who help us out on the program. And, and so we, we also want to make a shout out to you. Um, we exist because of, of your prayers, because of listeners like you, because of your benefactoring uh, of our podcast. You can become an official undergrounder today, Jeff, by doing something simple. It is very simple. Go to catholicunderground.com slash donate there you go yeah just that easy and uh matt has been listening to us in podcast form for a while i'm a bit of a catholic uh community radio uh groupie and so (laughs) if you download the app wherever you are even in tyler texas or in or in kiev ukraine you can listen that's Mm -hmm. right and you can certainly do that at catholicunderground.com as well and if you subscribe to our podcast uh say something nice huh we always absolutely leave a nice review if you can but uh, don't forget those stars and thumbs up and hearts and yeah you go yeah whatever your social media platform <laughs> uses click it uh, all right our guest this week has been matt hicks uh, he his podcast which we didn't even talk oh, about okay. is the fisherman fisherman.podbean.com so we'll make sure that that's in the show notes great uh, you'll certainly want to give it a listen uh, Matt, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yes, indeed. And we'll send you uh, home with uh, the foods of, of and our a few land. Foods. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So, uh, also, Jeff Blackwell, uh, he's always Johnny on the spot, our technical director. Thank you, Jeff. Always a privilege, Father. Ed Ball has been in the ball pit with video. Jim Hayes is our research assistant with his crew in the lab. And you know me. I'm Father Chris Decker. You can follow me online at Digital Catholic on Twitter and Instagram. You have been listening to the Catholic Underground, cutting through the noise. You can find that still small voice. It's there. We will see you next time. From the Catholic Underground.